Hey, uh, we are in week nine of Only Jesus. We're really diving into what does it really mean to completely surrender to the Lordship of Christ? We had a little small picture of what that looks like. Hey, y'all, I hope you never, ever, 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 ever lose the heart of surrender in your life. You can be 99 years old, and I pray you still have the heart of surrender. You're like, okay, well, I did it back when I was 16 years old. No, 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 no. That's not how King Jesus works. We have to daily, if not moment by moment, surrender to the Lordship of Christ. That has been the whole point of this whole series for the past nine weeks. And next week, I'm really excited to get to teach on uh, being completely sacrificial. What does that look like in the Lordship of Christ? And so uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 is where we're going. It's a very very familiar passage of scripture. And we're talking about what does it mean to be completely abandoned? Completely abandoned. And so I looked up the word abandoned. And there are a couple of word pictures that came to mind when I looked up this definition. The first one is a sinking ship. All right? To abandon means to jump ship. It literally means, the verb means to woohoo. <laughs> it means to get out of the boat because the boat is going down. Get out of the boat. It means to abandon, to jump ship, to abandon ship. If the ship is going down, what am I going to do? I'm not going to be on that boat anymore, right? Y'all, when it comes to the plans of your life, many of you have crafted your own boat. And you're, whether you like it or not, because you've done it by yourself, it's going down. And the call of God in this moment is, would you take just a moment, take a step of faith and abandon your plan, abandon your boat, and take a step of faith into the divine plan that God may have for you. That is the picture of complete lordship. To literally abandon my plan, my boat, to jump in his. Another word picture, how many of you like math? You like math? Okay, I want to take you on a little quiz. Four plus four is what? Okay, I like how you, you, like, that was really good. I'm very thankful that you guys went to math class. Um, another, yeah, praise God. Here, here's another one. Uh, what is 16 divided by four? Oh, gosh. Whew. All right, I'm going to stump you with this one. All right, I'm going to stump you with this one. 108 minus 104. Oh, gosh. You like how I did multiples of what? Four. That was great. Uh, there's a really cool equation. This is God's equation. You ready? God over everything. God over everything. You know, that's like algebra, right? I think. I don't know. Calculus? Something like that. Hey, that's the way it is. In God's economy, in God's math book, if he's, if he's the one... The great mathematician, this is a formula that we need to know in our lives, especially when it comes to his will and understanding our will. What do we know? How do we know? It's God over everything. It's also about priorities, isn't it? Here's another picture for all the seniors in the room. All the seniors in the room, we have some in the room? A couple of yous? A couple of youans? Um, when someone comes up to you and they find out that you're a senior, Ethan, you probably know this. One of the things they ask you is, where are you going to go to college? 
what are you going to do with the rest of your life, right? Two of those great questions for all the seniors in the room. Malik, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, it is like, and what is your answer? Ethan, what's your answer when people tell you that? You don't know. <laughs> Love it. Ethan doesn't know. Praise the Lord. You're right in the good spot. Malik, what do, they, what do you tell them? Going to Davidson College. He's going to go play football for them, by the way. Um, go Malik. And so, and, and it, it's fun because over the past couple of weeks, we've been honoring our seniors. We've been connecting with them. We had a senior breakfast this past Sunday. We did the senior recognition this past Saturday, or Saturday night. We had a big banquet for them and their families. We even had them fill out, tell us where you're going and what are you doing, what are your accolades and all those kind of things. We're just honoring them. But here's what I would challenge each one of us. At the end of your high school career, May your life be found not necessarily in the location of where you find your feet, but in the purpose and in the man or the woman of God that God created you to be. That it would be more about being someone than going somewhere. That is, if I'm going to completely surrender, if I'm going to completely abandon my life into his hands, what Jesus wants to do with you is not necessarily put you in a location, but he wants to create something in you. He wants to give you a purpose. He wants to give you a hope. It's all about purpose to him. It's not about location. Y'all just rocked your world, didn't I? All your seniors are like, that's what it is. I pray you go to Davidson, and I pray you play a bunch of football, and you just do amazing things. But more importantly, I pray that you are the, continue to be the man of God that he's called you to be. That's what matters most. And he just happens to put you at that location. Go do it, man. Go do it. And that goes for all of our seniors. God's more concerned about your heart, your purpose, than he is the location that you find your feet. Ultimately, he put you there in the first place, right? So it's all about God's will, right? We're always asking the question, it's all about God's will, it's all about God's will. I wanna know what he wants for me. Some of you are that way. You're like, I wanna know what I'm doing tomorrow. God, please tell me, right? Uh, your prayer life is about like that. God, I wanna know what tomorrow looks like. I wanna know where you got me. What does my future look like? Who am I gonna marry? Who am I gonna date? You're asking all of these questions, right? Can I get an amen? All right, I know it's in you. I know those questions are in you because I was asking the same questions when I was in high school. Who am I going to date? Who am I going to marry? Where am I going to go to college? Am I going to make it through tomorrow? All those things. Am I, do I have the right friend group? We all, we all struggle with that. We all answer that question. Do you ever want to know the answer? Do you ever go to before God and say, God, please tell me what it is? I think very rarely when we do that, very rarely does he truly answer us in that moment like he speaks it, I want you to go to, you know, you know I, that, I don't know, I've asked that question about 30,000 times. And he's never audibly told me, he put my feet where I needed to be. And when I did that, and I chose to honor the Lord wherever I was, I was perfectly in God's will. And so I just gave you a gold nugget right there that's not in your notes. I hope you're listening. All right, here we go. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Let me tell you the context of this. Jeremiah was a prophet and a priest in a time when it was not so good for the Israelites. It was not so good because here's how it was not so good. 
God called Jeremiah to take a message of justice and destruction to the Israelite nation. The Israelites were not in a good relationship with God. And this is how I will describe it. The first 29 chapters of Jeremiah is all about God's destruction and justice upon the Israelites. He uses Jeremiah as a mouthpiece to tell the people, hey, there's an enemy of the north that's going to come and destroy you. He's going to destroy the temple. The enemy of the north is going to come, and he's going to lay waste of everything that the Israelites had ever created. And Jeremiah was the guy to deliver the bad news. And God's ultimate plan, and Jeremiah, this is wild, he spoke that prophecy over Israel in the temple and everywhere he would go, and then he lived his life in such a way that he saw his prophecy come true. In the last half of Jeremiah, we see how Babylon, who is of the north, came and destroyed all of Jerusalem, laid waste to the temple, all those things. God allowed that to happen to teach Israel a lesson, a hard lesson. And Jeremiah was the mouthpiece. And what we have in Jeremiah 29, 11 is the hinge point at the end of God's pronouncement of justice. He begins to turn the narrative and instill hope in the Israelite people. And Jeremiah 29, 11 is that pivot verse that moves the rest of the book toward God establishing his hope for the Israelite nation to restore them and to redeem them. And God used Jeremiah as a mouthpiece of destruction, but also as a mouthpiece of hope. You know, the Israelites were in this spot. They were living their lives the way they thought it was good. And here's how they did it. This is gonna rock your world, all right? You ready? Inside the temple, they did worship really, really well. Inside the temple, they made sure that they were going by the sacrifices. They were keeping the Sabbath holy. They were doing those things inside the temple. But outside the temple, oh, no, 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 no. They weren't honoring God there. They were entertaining worship of other gods. They were making sacrifices of, get this, I'm not making this up, children on the altar of these demonic gods. Inside the temple, oh, they were good. But outside the temple, not so good. Can you see what's happening here? Do you see the analogy? Many times we as believers in Christ, oh, we're good inside the temple, inside Bellevue walls, inside the church. But when we walk outside the church, hey, we ain't so good. And how does God feel about that? How does God feel about your Inside, outside life. Disgusted is right. And guess what? The pronouncement, I feel like Jeremiah, the, perma- <laughs> the pronouncement of Jeremiah to the Israelite people is God is coming to destroy you. He's going to destroy your man-made deal, your pride-filled, arrogant ways of doing faith your own way God doesn't like it. And Jeremiah was that mouthpiece to the Israelites that says, hey, there's an enemy of the north that's coming to wipe you out. And here's the thing I want you to understand. For God, it was the most loving thing to do to allow the Babylons to take over the Israelites. 
You're like, wait a minute, Steve. I thought God is good all the time. All the time, God is good, right? Yeah, he's good all the time. But even in his goodness, he cannot let sin go unnoticed. The most loving thing that God can do is to discipline us, to pronounce justice over us for the sin and the wrong that we have done. He has to, that's the most loving thing he can do. It would be unlovable just to let it, you know, just you, you do what you want, whatever we want to do. We have a wrong picture of how God views our sin and how we live our lives. Jeremiah 29, 11 is that verse for the Israelite people. The hinge verse that starts, they're like, woe is me. Like, woe is me, I can't believe this is happening. I hate Babylon, I hate exile, all that kind of thing. And Jeremiah comes in and says, oh, no, 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 I got something for you. This is from God. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. You're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yes, even in God's justice, he instills hope every single time. Every single time. This is going to hurt, but trust me, I got something good for you on the other side of it. This might be hard. The season of life that you're going through is hard, but guess what? There's a light at the end of the tunnel. For all the believers in the room who feel like you're going through a hard time right now, you feel like the justice of God is on your life because you're not getting your way. Guess what? There's hope coming. For what God would desire to do is to mold us and to make us through the hard into the man or woman of God that he would want us to be. Not for a location, but for a purpose. You ready? I'm starting to preach now. Hold on. Here we go. So how? Now that I understand the context of this verse and how this applies to me, here it is. Number one, we need to trust his good for our lives. Trust his good. I love how the verse starts. Jeremiah 29 starts this. It says, for I know the plans. Y'all, he knows. I'm about to jump through this table. Um, he knows. He knows you. He knows your heart. He knows your sorrow. Guess what? He knows your happiness. He knows right where you are. He knows where you have your quiet time. He knows where you're going right after this. He even knows your future. You don't know it. I don't think you need to know it. All you need to do is to depend on the Lord. Y'all, come on. Two feet up, sit up. Come on, let's go. We need to trust his good. His good. He knows you. He knows where you are. He knows the struggle. He's not absent. Even in the Israelite moment, when all the Israelites were sent into exile and Babylon took over all the things, took on all over the people, destroyed the temple, all the things they held sacred, he was there. He was in the middle of it. He wasn't absent. And he's not going to be absent with you. He knows. Hear that truth in the very first part of this verse. He knows. He knows you. And we have to trust his good. I love it. His good is his promises. That's how I know how good he is, is the promises of God. One of the most amazing promises that we know, and Ruth read it earlier. I, was, well, I about came out of skin when she read it. 
What an honoring testimony about the plans, even in the heart of what God wants to do in the middle of the hard times. What incredible testimony. But Joshua 1, 8, 9 says this. It says, be strong and courageous, for I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is the promise of God. Others, the Bible's riddled with promises of God. That's just one I pulled for this talk. You know, an old missionary, Adrian Judson, said this. He says, the future is as bright as the promises of God. You looking for a bright future? Look at the promises of God. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's just one. That's good. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Some of y'all know this verse too, right? You could probably quote it before I would, before it hits the screen. It says, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, what? Acknowledge him. And he'll do what? Direct your path. So how am I to know the path? I have to trust his good. God, I know you're good. And I know the good you have for me. And I trust that. So I will walk in faith. Number two, we need to shift our perspective. Shift our perspective. Because some of us are great storytellers. I like this part. This is good. Y'all are good storytellers because you like writing your own story and you like writing it before it happens. You try to make so many assumptions about life and moments ahead of you that it paralyzes you in fear. Stop preaching. All right, okay. Hope you, you're tracking with me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna illustrate it this way, okay? Illustrate it this way. If I asked you, hey, I would love for you to come share your testimony. Right? If I asked you, to, hey, come, I, don't, I want you to come up here and share your testimony. What's happening in your heart right now? Right now, I'm, I'm predicted. You're writing the story of what that would feel like and look like right there in your head. Oh gosh, I got to get up out of my chair. I got to stand in front of all of these people. Are you kidding me? What am I going to say when I get in front of them? Am I going to freak out? All those kind of things. Like, I don't know. I can't do it. <laughs> am, I, am I right? Did I, did I just write your story that was in your head somewhat close? Like, what am I going to say? Is it worthy? Can I say something? Is my story worth saying something? I, can't, I don't know what to say. How do I do this? You write the story in your head before it even happens. And when you do that, oh gosh, it paralyzes you. You'll never move. You'll sit there in fear and never experience the blessing on the other side of your obedience. We do that with our lives all day long. I'm not going to walk in the doors of that school today. I got one hair out of whack. I need to put that back in. Now I can walk in, right? You write the story before it even happens. Oh my gosh, if he comes over here and asks me to go out to the dance, I don't know what am I going to say. I don't know what to say. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> we all do this. Guys, we do the same thing where we, we, like, you know, we start to like a girl. I wonder if I'm going to, should I talk to her? Can I talk to her? What, do I, what am I going to say when I talk to her? I really want to talk to her. I really like her. I think it'll be great. We write the story before it even happens. Hey, this is, am I, am, am I being real here? Hey, you know what? We write the story and we deny God's power to write our own story because we've done it ourselves. We do it ourselves, we write our own story, and when we do that, 
We are not listening to the voice of God. We're not asking the voice of God to speak into the moment and to give us and empower us with what we need to take the next step. Oh, no, no, no. We're writing that story. And here's the thing. We walk in fear of God because we write the story for God for our life. Because we're really good storytellers. I just went really deep with you right there. We put words in God's mouth about our lives. And many times we don't trust it. Y'all hearing me? Does that make sense? Y'all, God's big enough. He's a lion. And all we need to do is let him out of his cage. We don't need to cage him. And we don't need to put him in a box. And we put that him in a box when we write our own story in our lives. We make so many assumptions about God. Well, I can't surrender to God because you know what that means? I'm going to Africa. Well, maybe we know some people that did. And we believe that that's my story too. But that's not true. And here's what Jeremiah 29, 11 says. The plans I have for you, God speaking, the plans I have for you are to prosper you. They're not to harm you. They're to give you a what? Hope and a hello. Many times you don't write that story, do you? When you put words in God's mouth, very rarely is that a hope in a future. Usually you think it's destruction. <laughs> Y'all, he likes you. He wants the best for you. Quit writing that story for him. Let him write it for you. You would want him to write that story. That's the God of the universe who spoke everything into creation, who holds it together just in the palm of his hand. We want him to be writing our story, not us. Number three, here we go. I'm moving on to that. Okay, your daily disciplines are foundational. And I like how the verse goes here. We just talked about how he knows us, how his plans are good for us, but then he gives us an idea of how. How are we to know God's plans? How are we to know what he has for us that's good, prosperous, and amazing? How? He tells us. It's so plain. Then, once you understand this, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and guess what? I will what? Listen to you. Daily disciplines are so foundational. I like this verse. I, I think this is amazing. As I was doing some studying on this and thinking through, like, okay, this almost feels like a two-step process. You see, if you call on me and then you pray to me. And I started thinking about that. What does that look like? Well, back in the day, in Bible times, they would go, they would literally walk to the temple, and that's where they would have interaction and conversation with God. They would go to the temple, bring their sacrifices, lay their prayers at the altar, and they would actually go, and that would be the place that they would pray. They would go to call on the Lord in the temple. It was a step with their feet. It was a walk toward God. They were walking to the temple. And then when they got to the temple, that's the second step. They would pray. 
Y'all, you need to make room in your life daily to step into his presence and to spend time talking with him. Y'all, your feet have got to move. You got to get up out of the bed. You got to start sprinting to the word in the morning. You got to start taking steps of faith and trusting the Lord as I spend time with him. He's listening to me. And when he listens to me, he's going to make himself known to me. And the plans that I'm longing for, he's going to give them to me by molding me and making me into the man or the woman of God that he would want me to be. So the challenge is how foundational your, um, man, I'm really going over, um, how foundational your daily disciplines are, prayer. How are you connecting with God? How are you talking with God? I just led you in a prayer moment. That was really cool. How are you connecting with God daily? Are you in the word? Do you have someone discipling you? Do you have someone teaching you God's word? Do you have somebody challenging you, sharpening you into the man or woman of God that you need to be? Or are you trying to do it on your own? I don't need it. I don't need accountability. You want to put the crown on your head? You want to go ahead and do that? Oh, I don't, I don't need the word. I, you want to go ahead and write that story for yourself? You want to put that crown back on your head? I don't need the church. You want, you want to write that story again? You want to keep writing? Or are you going to really take the crown off your head and say, you know what, God, I surrender to that. I really want to hear your voice. I want to know your plans. And the only way that I know how to do that is by not being silent. I want to know the plans. That means I can't be still. I need to be moving. And I want to encourage you, if you're not in the Word, we got Bibles in the back, go get one. You need a Bible reading plan? You need something to help you, hold you accountable? We'll, we'll find you some people. Maybe you all need to be involved, more involved in your life groups on Sunday mornings where you're at, not just showing up and checking the box that I was there, but you're actually digging into the Word and allowing somebody to teach you more about who God is so that you can live for God throughout the course of the week. Ultimately, it is your <laughs> initiative that helps in that daily moment. You have to step. You have to call out to God, and you have to pray. And as you do that each and every day, trust me, it will revolutionize your life. If you need somebody to disciple you, tell us. Go back to the spot after this is over. I need a discipler. I need somebody to teach me about God's word. I need to know more. Prayer, Bible reading, worship, these are the things that we need to be about. 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8 says this. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. In other words, all the stories that everybody tells you, but rather train yourself to be what? Godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and, get this, for the life to come. You want to know God's will for your life? Start digging. Start training. Hey, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. 47 years old, I've been a Christian since I was eight. I'll let you do the math. There's, that's a long time. I've been a Christian for a long time. And I've tried everything. I've tried going it alone, not needing it. But I've also had moments, especially when I was in high school, sophomore in high school, my youth pastor said, we're going to go through this thing called experiencing God. 
It's a Bible study. It's a 12-week Bible study. You have to do something every single day, and you have to fill in the blanks. You have to memorize the scriptures and all those things. And I was like, I don't need that. I'm good. But my youth pastor kept pursuing me. And finally, I relented, showed up to his house on a Sunday night after church, sat in his living room with three other guys, and we started plowing the road. And my life has never been the same. Because I've started digging into the word. I started hearing the voice of God in my life. And I tell you, the moments when I'm in the word, I hear him. I know him. I know what's going on. I know how the decisions I need to make, especially with a ministry this large. I make so many decisions so many every day of the week. But I cannot do it. And I cannot lead you well if I'm not in the word every day. I even have a couple of guys, some of them are in this room. They're holding me accountable to who I am in the, I gotta have God's word in my life. I need to have accountability in my life. I wanna be the best leader and the best youth pastor I can be. And he ultimately wants me to be. I can't do it if I'm not in the word. Oh yeah, there've been times where I've just checked the boxes just like you guys do. But the moments when I genuinely enter into the presence of God each and every morning, oh, he is quick, he is quick to shout and to lead me in the way that he would want me to go. Y'all, this is deep. I took you to deep waters tonight. And I pray you are writing down everything you needed to write. And as Grace comes up and she's gonna wrap up our time together, we're gonna have more worship, more time to worship. I, I pray that you would really engage in this understanding of God's will for your life, that you would take steps in the right direction and start pursuing him each and every day. And as you pursue him, he will lead you to the place that you would want to be. But as I said at the very beginning, it's not a location. It's not a location, but it's a purpose. That's what he has for you.